Welcome to the Vu Church Podcast. Do you see boundaries as a blessing or a burden? Healthy relationships require healthy boundaries. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks, I Hate You, But It's Killing Me. In this message, I Love You, But I Don't Trust You. Unpacking the power of boundaries on the journey of forgiveness. For more resources, visit vuchurch.com slash heal. Now let's lean into the message together. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and reach for it. Matthew chapter 18 is where I want you to turn. I cannot wait to preach. Cannot wait to preach. Labor Day weekend, but I came with a word. Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, says this. It says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Someone say alone. Now, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Today, we are in part four of a collection of talks that I have titled, I hate you, but it's killing me. And for part four today, Um, The Lord really spoke to me. I think it's a very important message. I want to preach to you. I love you, but I don't trust you. Now, do me a favor. Uh, Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this sermon is for me. Look at your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. You need it too. <laughs> There's some marriages right now. I'd be like, you better take notes. You better take notes. You better take notes. I know people are coming into the city. Uh, I know the parking lot is a situation. So I just want to give some people a chance just to sit down just so we can settle the room and host team help us out. I know, I know it, man. It's hard. We got to get a building and we got to figure it all out. But let's just try to come in quietly. And let's try to get them seated. Can we make some noise for the host team that just does a fabulous job? Just- And also consider coming even earlier. Um, It really helps all of us as people are getting into the room. Um, This collection of talks uh, came to me not four weeks ago, but it came to me months and months ago. And uh, in different seasons, in different moments, collections and words from God. God speaks to me in all sorts of different ways. Uh, He speaks to me in all sorts of different ways. And really the inspiration for this entire collection came from a documentary that I was exposed to some months ago. The documentary is entitled, I Hate You, But It's Killing Me. And behind the documentary is uh, a group of people that went out and told stories of people that went through, I'm talking about real tragedies, real abuse, real betrayals, real letdowns. But the heart of the documentary is to set people free by saying, if you keep this hate in your heart, it's literally going to kill you. And when I started watching the documentary, it's not a Christian film, but it's a true film. Man, I I just started to be ministered to saying that this is not just a problem in the world. This is even a problem in the church. 
And you know, I love church, by the way, if you just don't know, like we're up here promoting crews because at some point in your church journey, you have to move from just being in a row. Rows are important, but circles will change your life. And so a crew takes a row, turns it into a circle where you start walking in community. Someone knows your name and you know someone's name. Someone knows your story and you know somebody else's story. And so church, we pray together, we worship together, but we also play together. We also do life together. And the film was so important to me and it was the heart behind this collection that I thought it would be really cool that this Tuesday night, the day after Labor Day, we've rented out two different theaters, one in the downtown area, Silver Spot, and one at AMC. It's really first come, first serve. You've got to get RSVP'd, vuchurch.com slash hurt. But if you'll register today, uh, we want you to see that film free of charge. I think it's a great night to meet some people, do some community, hang out with one another. I'm trying to be at one of the screenings, but I encourage you, come and see what this story is all about, because this story is what's inspired our collection. I think it'll be really fun for you. Today, as we're in part four of this collection, we're staying in the thread and we're staying with the foundation of what this whole collection is built on, that unaddressed hurt will turn to hate. So important that you see this, because if I don't deal with the hurt in my heart, it will become hate in my heart. And watch this. If I don't face the hate in my heart, I will become like the people who hurt me. Isn't that fascinating that you spend your whole life resisting and rejecting those that oppressed you, betrayed you, and abused you, but because you do not deal with it with God, inadvertently, by default, you become like the one who hurt you. The simple phrase is, hurt people, hurt people. And today, I want to teach on something that I think the church so misunderstands. If you're taking notes, write this little phrase down because it's important. You get what you allow. Talking to adults now. We're not not new kids. I'm talking to adults. You get what you allow. In fact, say that out loud every location. You get what you allow. You get what you allow. I remember uh, my 16th birthday, my dad, he restored his Ford Explorer 1993. Shout out to all the 90s people out there. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a orange Explorer had about 300,000 miles on it. My dad got it detailed and put two twelves in the back. Cause that's all you need when you're 16. And he gave it to me and it was like the pride of my life, this Ford orange Explorer. And I remember that summer, um, as I went into the summer, the air conditioning went out. Now I know we got people watching online, people from all over the world. Let me just tell you driving a car in Miami in the summer without air conditioning. Well, we see people get saved from that. Because if you want a vision of hell, I was 16 years old, you know how you do, and I didn't get the air conditioning fixed. Instead, I just learned to roll the window down. It's funny because people would get into my car and they'd be like, dude, it is so hot in this car. I said, no, no, it's not a problem. Roll the window down. (laughs) Rolling the window down is what we call a quick fix. And some of us live our life with just pivoting towards quick fixes. But the quick fix, while it might have solved it for a moment, is not actually functioning at its optimal design. When I simply roll the window down, how many of y'all know my car is now dysfunctional? 
What a lot of people don't realize in life is that when we start calling things normal that are broken, we are becoming comfortable with dysfunctional. A lot of us in this room, if we're going to be honest with us, with ourselves, we're just, we've just acclimated. No, 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 not a problem. Roll the window down. No, 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 not a big deal. Keep treating me that way. Just roll the window down. I appreciate your flexibility, but please understand God designed you and God designed relationships in a way that they would function at their optimal design. And at some point, you're going to have to say, I'm not going to tolerate dysfunction. I'm going to make a change and I'm going to decide in my heart that I'm going to get things back in order. Let me tell you something. You can't put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Some of us, we go through life in our relationship pain just putting Band-Aids on it. Band-Aids on it. Band-Aids on it. For the last three weeks, I have been preaching my heart and soul to you, trying to reveal to you the weight and the truth of forgiveness. But listen to me loud and clear. Forgiveness is a release, but healing is a process. Forgiveness is a release, but healing is a process. If you break your arm, if you break your arm, you don't just walk around with a broken arm like, that's good. No, you go to the doctor and they put that thing in a cast. And a cast is a hard shell, not forever, but the cast is a hard shell. Why is it hard? It's to protect the bone and the tendons from getting any more damaged or hurt. But not just that, how many of y'all know the cast restricts your movement by creating a boundary that you have to stay in this place, not forever, but until the bone heals. If a broken arm requires time to heal, what makes you think that a broken heart won't take time to heal? If a broken arm must establish a boundary, what makes you think that your broken heart will not have to establish boundaries? What I know in life is that healing requires healthy boundaries. And some of us in this room have never been taught boundaries. And so the whole time I've been preaching, you've been saying, okay, I'm going to forgive that person. But Rich, if I forgive that person, does that mean I need to walk right back into that dis? functional mess? The answer is no. And rather than just take my word for it, let's look to God's word. Matthew chapter 18 is where I've spent some time the last couple of weeks teaching. I taught on Jesus' parable about the unmerciful servant. Last week, I preached a message called Losing Count about how many times do I got to forgive? Because we all wonder that because we keep score in relationships. And Jesus, he lets us know forgiveness is not about keeping score. Forgiveness is learning to lose count. It's 70 times seven. Well, is, well, what, what number is that? Is it 77 or is that 490? Bro, if you're counting, you're not forgiving, okay? <laughs> That's the whole point of what Jesus is doing. But above, above that section, in the same chapter, we haven't left the chapter, Matthew 18, Jesus shows you and I practical steps. Sometimes people are like, the Bible's so complicated. I know, sometimes it's mysterious, sometimes it's dynamic and deep and it can be complicated, but sometimes it's plain and simple. And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is discussing with you and I, what do we do in a relationship when someone sins against us, when someone hurts us? Jesus says, when your brother sins against you, he says, there are some steps that you should take, 
Step one, we already read it. He says you should bring it to their attention. This is helpful, right? Anyone ever been in a relationship where the person's always offended, but you didn't even know you offended them? You should know. No, I don't know unless you tell me. A lot of people, they walk away from relationships, but they haven't even begun to take the biblical steps that God requires out of them. Offense festers in silence. Now I am preaching to the married people out there. Unless you express that you were hurt, unless you express that something offended you, you cannot expect someone to know. Jesus is just being really clear. He's like, first, you got to bring that to their attention. You got to let them know that they offended you. Now, if they listen to you and they apologize and you reconcile, guess what happens? You just gained a brother. You just gained a sister. You just held on to a relationship. Sure, it can be a little bit of friction. It can be a little bit awkward. But let me just tell you, every relationship worth keeping will only thrive with uncomfortable conversations. Some of y'all would rather lose a person than just have an uncomfortable conversation. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. When irons sharpen each other, it's called friction. If your friendships don't have friction, you don't have a friend. I feel like I'm preaching a little bit better than you responded. It's okay. It's Labor Day. People still getting into the church, still coming in. If we can close those doors in the back, and I know they're late. We love them, but we're just going to go with the crew we got in here today. <laughs> Number two, what he says is, if they don't listen, watch this. He know Jesus gets you and me. He understands the way that we behave. He's like, that don't always work. But just because it didn't work, he says, what you should do the second time is you should go bring back someone, a witness, someone to come and confront the person with you. So you need to bring a witness, bring someone with you. The person that you bring, by the way, you shouldn't bring like your mom. Right? Like you don't bring your, like, like that's not fair if Don Shree's like, and my mom, she saw all of this. No, you, you, you bring a witness, someone that is trusted, someone that has the same values, the same faith, someone that's walked with you, and you bring it to their attention with somebody else. I meet so many people that they give up. They don't even take step one, but if they take step one, they certainly don't go to step two. And then Jesus, he just knows you and me. He's like, yo, uh, if they still won't listen to you after you bring a witness, watch this. He says, bring it to the church. So I would say third step is get a leader involved from your faith community. By the way, this is really, really important that we say this right now, because when Jesus is teaching you, he's trying to show you optimal function in relationships, and he's assuming as he's teaching you that you're a part of the house of God. This is fascinating, because I meet a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's just me and Jesus, just me and my Bible. Well, if that is your statement, you don't have any context of the Bible. You ought not to read the New Testament if you're never going to be willing to be part of a faith community. Why? Because most of the New Testament was written to the church. You out there trying to read things individually that are supposed to be digested corporately. Philippians is not a guy. Philippians is a place and it's a church. Colossians is not some Greek goddess. It's Colossae and it's the church of Colossae and the letter was given to a church that as they digested it as a church, they would get the commands of God. Some of us out here are reading letters that were meant to be experienced in community, trying to apply them simply individually. So Jesus is like, you gotta go get a church leader. 
So you've got to now get somebody that you have submitted your life, get some sort of authority that can weigh into it. Now, if you're married, you probably, if you have a healthy marriage, you've probably already done this before. Don Shree and I, I, I love my wife. In fact, I love, love my wife. I love my wife long time. I love my wife deeply. But sometimes that deep love and that long time love, woo, that can create some chemistry that sometimes those atoms come together and explosions take place. Bombs go off. And sometimes my wife can't understand the words coming out my mouth. And sometimes I can't understand the words coming out my wife's mouth. And so sometimes we have to submit ourselves and we have to bring it to someone above us that they can weigh in and bring clarity. So Jesus has given you a practical plan when somebody hurts you. Here's three steps. Now here's what he says. Here comes the boundary. Now after three times, are you trying that? Some of y'all, some of you already like, oh yeah, yeah, I didn't really do that. So you've already like started breaking the system apart. He says, after three times of trying to do that, if, if they will not concede, if they will not reconcile with you, let them be to you like a pagan, aka a Gentile, somebody who's not in the faith at that time, or a tax collector. Now, I want to be really clear because you're hearing this today, and this is just this is teaching that you need to understand. Jesus doesn't say, um, now that you see them in that light, you are allowed to hold unforgiveness in your heart. That's not what he's suggesting. He, he, that's not what he said at all. He didn't say, let unforgiveness begin to set in. Let yourself be justified. Now, that's not what he said. He simply said, treat them like they are not a brother in the faith, that they are a part of the world. Now, is there any place in the Bible that tells the church or believers to judge the world, to condemn the world, to hate on the world. Some of you, you still need to mature in the Lord. Understand, the world is gonna be the world. Some of y'all so mad at the world. It's like looking at somebody who doesn't speak Spanish and you're like, speak Spanish! They're like, ah, <laughs> Let's speak English, keep going, keep yelling. A lot of the church speak Spanish. I don't understand what you're saying, man. So when he says treat them like the world, he's not suggesting that you now become self-righteous and go, "Ooh, look at me." In fact, our context would have to be the Apostle Paul. What does the Apostle Paul say about believers and the world? He would say, "Do not be unequally yoked." I'm taking you somewhere. What is a yoke? We don't use yokes in most of our modern day context. We live in Miami. We drive Teslas and electric cars. Yokes was a wooden object put on two oxen. Hopefully the two oxen of the same strength. Why? Because the oxen have a mission. What is the mission? To plow the field. Being unequally yoked would say one of us is stronger than the other. And if one oxen is stronger than the other, what would happen? Those oxen wouldn't go in a straight line. Instead, those oxen would go in. You ever feel like your relationships are in vicious circles, going in circle after circle, no progress, no traction, just stuck in a rut? 
what Jesus is saying is, is that you shouldn't be yoked up to that person any longer. A yoke means I'm bound to you. I've cut covenant with you. I share my heart with you. I share my dreams with you. I share my worries and my fears. Jesus is saying, don't get bound. Instead, set a boundary. Come on, somebody. Set a boundary. What's a boundary? A boundary is a limit. It's an extent. Why? Well, I know some people in the room think they're Superman. I have a fairly large capacity, but I understand that I don't have a limitless capacity. There's an extent to my capacity. There's a limit to how much I can give. And some of us have never, ever put limits towards the toxic, dysfunctional relationships in our life. Listen to me loud and clear. You need to get this in your heart today. You are required to forgive everyone, but you are not required to tolerate everyone in your life. I feel like preaching a little bit today because some of you, you are blaming God for your dysfunctional relationships. Some of you are blaming God for the toxicity that swirls all around your life. And it's because you get what you allow. Let me just put it really frankly. If my biological brother is a raging alcoholic who starts drinking, throws things around the house, curses, uses all sorts of type of language, guess where I'm not taking my children for Christmas? I'm not going there. But may I ask your brother, right? I love him, but I got to put a boundary on this thing. Woman of God, hear it from me right now. If a man puts his hands on you, I hope he comes to his senses. I hope he apologizes. I hope he begs for mercy from you. But even if he does that, I don't care what some preacher tells you. There is no scripture in the Bible that expects you to tolerate that, put up with that, live in that, reside in that. You can put up a boundary and say, no, sir, I got some self-worth. I can forgive you. Oh, but I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm not going to tolerate this. You don't have to hang out with people that manipulate you. You don't have to hang out with people that gaslight you. None of that is a scripture. The scripture says, love your enemy, pray for your enemy. It doesn't say they have to live in your house. Watch this. This is so important. Healthy boundaries keep your heart pure and your head sane. Some of you in this room, you've been hearing me preach for the last three weeks. And God's dealing with you and God's doing a work in your heart. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Above all else, guard that heart. If you don't forgive in your heart, you can't receive his forgiveness. But forgiveness is a release. Healing is a process. I am not suggesting that someone who has damaged you, hurt you, who's toxic and dysfunctional, gets the same proximity that they did before. I'm suggesting to you, through God's word, that if you don't release the hate in your heart, it's going to destroy you. But when I set a boundary, whew, keeps my heart pure, but yo, it keeps my head sane. 
if I hang out with you anymore, I'm just gonna start calling things normal that are broken. Hanging out with you is like me having to put the window down all the time. Hanging out with you is me looking for a quick fix. I'm putting band-aids on bullet shots. I can't do it that way. I don't have enough capacity. Now, if you're here today and you're like, this sounds like, you know, not like God. Like, oh, come on, man, you know. Come on, Rich. Like, come on. I hear you. But please understand that you serve a God of boundaries. Not popular preaching, but it's right there in front of us. Thanks to Tim Tebow, the most famous Bible verse out there, John chapter three, verse 16. <laughs> Shout out team, Swamp King. You know this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the hope of the world. That's the, my favorite verse, bro. That's, that's one worth learning this year. A few more months left in the year, learn that one. Not because Tim Tebow told you to, because it's good. <laughs> it's the radical love of God that whosoever, whosoever, whatever your sins are, whosoever can be forgiven. That's John chapter three, verse 16. You know what? A verse that doesn't get quoted a lot, same chapter, just 20 verses down, same book. John chapter three, verse 36. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life but watch this, but the wrath of God remains on him. The wrath of God? Oh yeah, God is a God of boundaries. God is a God of love and God is a God of wrath. In fact, the two establish each other. The two bracket him and actually begin to show you who our God is. That God is a God of love and he's a God of fury. Not modern day American culture going, no, no, no. God could never be wrathful. But they haven't read John chapter 3. In fact, even in verse 16, you'll perish if you don't believe. Doesn't just mean you're going to die. It's eternal death. It's God's wrath being poured about upon you. God's wrath is not wounded pride like you and I. Our anger is because someone messed with my ego, someone hurt me. That's not God. God's wrath is based upon his hatred, not of people, but of the evil that makes people dysfunctional, the evil that makes us not operate at our optimal design. And God says, one day there will be justice. And when God pours out his wrath, it's not because he hates you, but rather he hates the evil that's been robbing him of his glory, of his perfect design. He says, I will not tolerate this dysfunction. Your role is not to be God, by the way. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God will bring justice. My job is to forgive from my heart, but yo, boundaries help my heart stay pure, but my mind stay sane. And it's important that we see the God of boundaries. It's important that we see God in his rightful place, because if we don't, we have a distorted view of God. And when you have a distorted view of God, all of a sudden it will mess up your life terribly because some people think that God only says yes. You think God's like Oprah, you get a car, <laughs> you get a car and you get a car and you don't get a car. You're like, God. Where you at, man? <laughs> but others of you, you think God only says no. You walk around like, oh, you're scared to bring your friend. To, you're scared to come into church. Why? 
Because if you only know God as a God of love, you'll be a spoiled child. But if you only know God as a God of wrath, you'll be an abused child. I don't know which one is worse. Instead, we have to live in the tension of a God of boundaries, a God who says, obey me, and you will discover blessing if you do not believe there is a consequence. Establishing boundaries. Establishing boundaries. Let me give you a couple thoughts today on boundaries. Number one, boundaries are a tool, not a weapon. I got to teach this because I get nervous teaching this because somebody right now is excusing unforgiveness in their heart based upon this teaching. So I got to trust the spirit of God at work in this place that he's going to minister to you and reveal God's words to you in a mighty way. Boundaries are a tool, not a weapon. What is the tool for? If I could just really sum it up, the tool is always for a conversation. You haven't established a boundary if you haven't communicated them. In fact, all of Matthew 18, it's Jesus pushing you to keep a conversation alive. It's Jesus talking to you. I am shocked how I meet believers in the faith who write people off immediately because of one offense. By the way, maturity in the Lord is when you stop being so easily offended. I'm going to teach about that in January. The scripture says in Romans, give each other allowance. Like, assume the best. Man, we lose our cool. We're irritable. We are, we are finite beings. We're flesh and blood. Man, make allowances. Don't be easily offended. But I'm amazed how people get so easily offended and they don't even step into the process of healing. They don't even step into actually communicating. So what are boundaries? Not Boundaries are not avoidance. If you're here, you're like, oh, I forgave them. But every time you see them, you're like, you're avoiding them? Ha, 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 ha. I would check your heart, brother. Boundaries are not the silent treatment. Hello, marriages. Don, Shree, and I, man, we can, we can be in that car. Praise and worship can be on. It don't mean nothing, bro. Just silent. Arrgh. Hey, boundaries are not ghosting. That's not relationship. Someone hurt you, just up and leave. I was going off hard at the South Miami. I guess it's already online, so I might as well just give you the truth as well. This is just some pastoral care stuff. I'm shocked that sometimes I hear the stories of the men of God in this church dating a girl for three months, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Maybe they got a real reason to be hurt or let down, but they just disappear. Just never text her again. Took her every Friday night out to dinner. Asked her to get in the backseat of that car. And then one day, I don't know what happened. You just, you didn't communicate nothing. Maybe you had a reason to leave. Maybe, maybe there was something that that person did, but you not communicating it is a great sign of your immaturity. And it's a great, great sign of your heart not being pure. Boundaries are not gossip. So Jesus doesn't say, hey, by the way, after you've gone through that process, uh, treat them like the tax collector. That doesn't mean you walk around going, they're a tax collector. <laughs> that's not what he's saying. You don't get to go to every dinner table and justify yourself how they hurt you, how you tried to apologize. No, 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 here's my story. Homie, you're gossiping. You're 48 years old, you're a man, and you're gossiping. 
Come on, bro. This isn't seventh grade. I had to set a boundary. Great. Thank you. Sounds like your boundary is a weapon. Not a tool. Um, I, anyone ever see that movie like, nah, this is the city. Y'all are too cool. You ever see that movie Air Bud? <laughs> it ministers to me. <laughs> but there's that scene where the dog, he has to get rid of the dog. And it's like, he has a good intention, but he's a little kid. Remember, he's like, get, go, get out of here. <laughs> Yelling up, get out of here, dog, you know, go. Like, just screaming at the dog. It makes me, reminds me of like little kids that like when they're on the same block and they're best friends and then one of them has to move away. And the, the general thing that happens is those little boys get into a fight. They gotta get into a fight. They gotta get into a yelling match. Why? Because they're so emotionally mature, immature, they don't have the tools of how to communicate. The little boy with his dog, you gotta go and be free. You can't stay with me. Instead, it turns into this weapon. Go, get, get out of here. And it's the same thing with people in our lives. Here, here's a great tool for communication. Watch this. And be careful with this. Because the whole motivation of your heart is what turns it into a weapon. But here's some great language. You're not bad. But you're not good for me. Some of y'all need to, need to realize that. You, it's not about good and evil. Quit demonizing people. Aren't you, I mean, come on. Like, dude, catch me on a bad day. You ain't coming back to church here, bro. <laughs> come on, like, no. You, you're not bad, but this is not good for me. I'm not going to just keep putting a window down. I want to get this thing fixed. Come on, somebody. Boundaries. Are a tool, not a weapon. Number two, write this down. Boundaries help balance access and responsibility. Those are the two words I want you to think about. Access and responsibility. Some of y'all were never taught this. And some of you, in the name of God, just keep going right back into abuse, toxicity, dysfunction. Two words are the balance between access and responsibility. When you study the story in the garden in Genesis, what you'll see is that man is created, and as man is created, he is given responsibility. He's given portions of the garden that he has to steward, that he has to tend to, that he has to take care of. How many of y'all know you can't be responsible for someone else? Talking to adults today, you can't be responsible for someone else. If someone goes swimming and they start to drown and we pull them out of the water, yes, we can resuscitate them with mouth to mouth. But how many y'all know, for the rest of our friendship, I can't be walking around giving them mouth to mouth. Someone say, at some point. At some point, you gotta breathe on your own. And so boundaries create lines of who's responsible for what. I don't have to hate you to create a boundary with you. In fact, my neighbor is like one of my best friends. He goes to our church. My, my physical neighbor. I love this guy. Built a pickleball court. You know I'm happy. <laughs> but guess what? We still got a fence. Why? Because the fence draws a line. Bro, that's your grass. This is my grass. I got to take care of my grass. It's funny in life because a lot of us, we go through life looking at somebody else's grass going, I want that grass. 
Dude, just learn to water your own grass. Be responsible for the plot that God has given you. Draw a line and know the boundary. None of us have any problem with boundaries when it comes to things of ownership, but we don't know how to draw boundaries with our emotions. We don't know how to draw boundaries with our physical relationships. We don't know how to draw boundaries with our spirit man. Boundaries are defining ownership, access, and responsibility. And whether you want to believe it or not, some of you, you're kind of resisting because you're real spiritual, and I love you for that. But everybody in this room's got boundaries. Everyone in South Miami's got boundaries. Everyone at Design District, especially at Design District, got boundaries. <laughs> Just wave at me. Who, who, who does banking online? Where are you at? This should be like everyone. I don't know who's not. But okay. Nine of us over here. The rest of us are just doing the old, you know, I don't know. Going to the treasury. Uh, okay. Um, all right. So banking online, you have um, like an online portal. Uh, real quick, just because I know. Come on. Come on, bro. We're in the church. They were Christians. Huh? Just, can we just start sharing our passwords for a moment? No, I'm serious. Share your password. Come on. No, bro. Come on. Just share it, man. You want an offering? No, just share. I just, you know, believe me. The answer is absolutely not. I'm not giving you that type of access because you don't have responsibility with it. The privilege of access comes with the weight of responsibility. And now I'm going to say some stuff that we might lose some people in church, but guess what? We need some more seats, so praise God. <laughs> so if you ain't about it, there's a lot of great churches, trust me. And we love helping fill them, amen, okay. Yeah. Listen to me, this is important. Because I'm a pastor. And so, you know, as a pastor, like, yo, you're on call, man. This is the hospital, bro. I love you. Like, I, I pray for you think about you. I take this serious. I don't think this is like a speech. I think that we're doing life together. I think there's eternal ramifications to it. I will stand before God one day whew, and have to give an account. I take it very serious. With that said, I'm awe, dude. And I have limits. There's thousands of people just on Sundays that come around here. So hear me loud and clear. Your urgency is not my emergency. We lost a couple old saints, but we love you. We bless you. Why? Because access into my personal life requires responsibility. I come up here, I'm honest. Don't get me wrong, I'm honest. But please understand, I'm not giving you all of me. I'm not going to come up here and speak to 5,000 people and tell you about my worries of yesterday and my fears of tomorrow. Somebody else is going to hear that. Somebody who's going to walk with me and be responsible. So access is granted to those that are responsible with it. Not, not all relationships are treated equally. So like for me, I gotta like, okay, I got one life. Who's, who, who's got full response? Who's got all that? Don Sheree. Complete access. 
I don't want a, I don't want a secret from Don Cherie. I want to be completely transparent. That can be embarrassing at times. I have to expose my weaknesses. Oh God. But she's responsible. Like, now people come to church, people stay at church, people, people leave church. That's awesome. That's what I signed up for. Guess who's not leaving? That girl. We've, we, yeah. We, we've, divorce is not an option. We, we, it's not even considered in our house. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, murder has been a couple of times. So, don't be impressed. I'm just saying the responsibility is there. So my, my children, that, that love created three objects of passion named Wyatt, Wild, and Waylon. I love being a spiritual father to many of you, but I got only three biological kids. That, that's in my, my fence line. So whatever they're urging about, that's an emergency for me. My family, my friends, our staff, there are layers to access based upon responsibility. So you gotta forgive in your heart, but then you have to communicate clearly what your boundary is. Because the privilege of access comes with the weight of responsibility. Boundaries are not a weapon, they're a tool. Boundaries are the balance of access and responsibility. Lastly, write this one down. Boundaries celebrate love, but expect trust. Celebrate love, but there is an expectation of trust. This is massive. There has to be trust. The thing with trust is that trust is earned in drops and lost in buckets. Maybe you're here today and you're working on your marriage, but one of you betrayed trust. You don't get that back tomorrow. I was counseling a couple one time, the dude had an affair. They decided to reconcile, which is beautiful, and I know it blesses God's heart, although she had no obligation to do so, but it was God's spirit in her to stay with him. I said, yo, bro, every Pasco you got, every Pasco, all that stuff, she gets complete access. Why? Doesn't she know I love her? Yeah, dude, but that's not enough anymore. You have to regain trust. Well, how do I regain trust? Oh, it's pretty simple. It's a little equation that I've taught for many, many years. It's truth plus time equals trust. Don't get me wrong. I met some people in my day. I, I, I'm led by the spirit. I want to I wanna listen to spirit. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. There has been moments where I've met someone and it's been instant connection and I trust because the spirit of God released me. That happens. Don't get me wrong. Flow in the river of that. But practically speaking, it usually takes me some time to discern the fruit of this person's life. I'm allergic to manipulation. You're not bad, you're just not good for me. I'm allergic to some of that stuff. I'm allergic to your end in mind and your use of me to get to your end in mind. I'm, a, I'm kind of allergic to that and I gotta take a little bit of time to what we about here. But then the truth, the truth, and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's nothing more powerful than the truth. 
I just want to encourage somebody out here. If you're in a relationship where somebody is lying to you, especially repetitively, that is a red flag. That is a red flag. A couple, couple weeks ago, we had our first prayer meeting, man. And like, I had told my little boys the day before, I'm going to take you to prayer with me in the morning. But then I got up and I went and did my run. I got back and I, honestly, I was just out of time. My wife was asleep. Uh, the boys were asleep and I had to be out of the house. And I just said, you know what? Let those little boys sleep. Ain't no big deal. Went to prayer, worshiped God like a great man of God. Held, hand, you know, held, hey, kissed babies. What's up? Yeah, Pastor Rich is here. <laughs> Looked great. Only to come home to a little five-year-old boy who said, Dad, you broke your promise. I don't care how good I look on the stage to anybody. Guess what a 39-year-old man has to do when that happens? I've got to come because he just did Matthew 18. He just did Matthew 18. He wasn't silent and offended. I hate my dad. He lies to me. Thank God he expressed his grievance so I could have the opportunity to win my boy back. I'm sorry, Wyatt. I apologize. That was wrong. Will you forgive me to a little boy? Because I'm trying to build trust. I'm trying to build trust. So boundaries celebrate love. They expect trust. And there have been relationships in my life that I love that person. But based upon lying and the concealing of the truth, it came to a head where I simply had to set a boundary and say, I love you, but I don't trust you. And with that, I gotta take a step back and I gotta love you with some space. I gotta love you with some distance. You're not bad. You're just not good for me. And maybe you're here today and you think that Jesus hanging from that cross when he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Understand that he was dying for a holy cause. He wasn't dying so that we can excuse toxicity. There's nowhere in the Bible that he expects you to live in a dysfunctional relationship. He gives us steps and he teaches us boundaries. If you don't heal from the hurt in your heart, it's going to turn to hate. And that hate, it's going to make you just like the one who hurt you. If you don't go and get that AC fixed, you're going to spend your whole life driving in a car that's not functioning to its optimal design. No more quick fixes. Communicate. Truth in time builds trust. If you believe it, go ahead and give God some praise. On Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. 
If you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps on your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.